Well, we're going to continue our study today of the Psalms. Um, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Psalm 19. We're going to, I've titled this, Creation Speaks and the Perfect Law Shapes. Creation Speaks and the Perfect Law Shapes. I, um, when we were experiencing the charismatic movement in the early, very early 70s, I've told you before, a lot of, a lot of our music back then, we would sing hymns. I'm sorry, we'd sing scripture. We didn't sing very many hymns. I wish we had them. This is, this is one of the first songs that we learned to sing and it, it has become one of my favorite psalms. It's not the favorite, but it's become one of the favorite psalms, um, that encourages us. In this psalm, and we'll read it in a moment, in this psalm, we're going to see uh, the heavenly firmament proclaiming loudly God's glory. And that will cover the first six verses of this psalm. And then we'll move into a section that we see God's instructions as that which molds and shapes us as his children. And that'll be five verses. And then we will finish out the last three verses in view of the greatness of his creation and the value of his perfect law. We present ourselves to him for examination and forgiveness. It's a great, it's just a great look by David as, as he wrote this song and obviously sang it. I doubt he sang it to the tune that we sang it to, uh, 2000 years later or not well, more than 2000 years. Uh, so let's read. If you wouldn't mind standing with me while we read the psalm, it's 14 verses. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden. Everybody say nothing. From its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving or restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules or the ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. And who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have a dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, 
my rock and my redeemer. Now remain standing and we'll pray. Lord God, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that illuminates the word of God to us and reveals the content. And I pray that you would do that right now. That you would open our minds and our hearts up today so that we could see and hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would pour out your anointing on me to enable me to speak the words, the anointed words that you would want me to speak today, to proclaim and teach your scripture. We thank you for this time together and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. A few, a few weeks ago, I believe it was Psalm 16 or maybe it was Psalm 8, I forget, but we, we dealt with David being out into the field taking care of the father's, father's flock. And he, he recorded the, the, the looking to the sky. Well, now he's doing it again. He, he says, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. As a, as a shepherd boy, David had a lot of opportunity to look at the sky. It reminds me of the story of uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, that they were out uh, camping, and uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes said, Watson, what do you see? He said, I see the stars. They're laying, they're laying on their backs. I see the stars. I see the heavens. I see the, the galaxies. I see the constellations. He said, what do you really see? He said, well, I, I see the sky. I see. He said, what do you think's missing? Well, I don't know. He said, Somebody stole our tent, Watson. How else could you see the sky? I guess that's why he was Sherlock Holmes. David had a lot of opportunity, and he records that the heavens declare the glory of God. The glory is weightiness. He's declaring God's weightiness. It's declaring God's substance and his splendor. It's a, it's a mural of God's own hands has painted the sky for us to see. I want to tell you that during times, even times that we're living in now or whatever you're going through, walk outside and look up to the, if you're in LA or you can't do this, but if you look up to the sky, I don't mean lower Alabama, but California, but, uh, and look at the heavens, look at the stars, look at the constellations. Stand there a minute and look and say to yourself, is what we're going through too much for him? Think about it. Is what you're going through too much for the God who made that? Is what the difficulties you are facing, is it too much? For the God who formed all of that and gathered it all together. He goes on to say, their sound has gone out. The sound of the heavens has gone out. And then he says, but there are no words. The first lady doesn't like music without words. (laughs) They start playing instrumentals on the radio. She gets all wound up. Give me some words. The, the... (laughs) The heavens, David says, the heavens are speaking to us loudly, but they're not saying any words. Have you ever done what I'm talking about? Have you ever walked outside and looked at the sky? 
several years ago, we spent two Sunday mornings. One Sunday morning, we played Louis Giglio's DVD, Indescribable. Maybe we'll do that again one day. But in that video, and I can't even get into it, but Louis Giglio walks us through the majesty and the glory and the splendor of God's universe, the vastness. And he quotes statistics and numbers that just blow your mind because he's looked up at the heavens that declare God's glory. Paul in Romans 10, 18 quotes this verse. He says that he quotes uh, the verse that we just read about the, the heavens declaring about the, the voice being spoken. And he says they, they have a testimony. He quotes it so that the world has a testimony. And even earlier in his letter to the Romans, he writes these words, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they, in some versions say, so that men are without excuse. I've heard people say, uh, well, all I got to do is go out into nature and I get close to God. Now, sometimes that's a cop-out. Sometimes that's a, I don't need anybody else, just give me a tree. Now, I'm not talking about worship and creation. But there is an element of being in the, in creation and being out into the wild, so to speak, or looking to the sky and, and being able to see. If you see that as God's creation, don't take it for granted. It's speaking to us. And the truth is, Paul writes that we're without excuse because his invisible attributes are seen in what was made by God. He describes the sun, the rising and the setting sun, as that which does the circuit, the circle of the earth. He talks about the sun's heat that searches all. And nothing, and I had you say nothing, nothing is hidden from its heat. Now, you may go inside the air conditioning, which I spend a lot of time doing that, but the heat is still there. Nothing is hidden. When the sun goes across the sky, assuming it's not a cloudy day like today, when the sun goes across the sky, nothing is hidden from its heat, from the rays of the sun bringing heat and vitamin D, by the way, which is good. So David is teaching us that the perfect law searches all the hiding places of the world. He's trying to tell us that with the image of the sun, the perfect law. In other words, the searching and cleansing sun becomes an image of the searching and cleansing law. Now, we're going to get to that word in a minute. I know some of you cringe every time I say law, but just hang on. The sun becomes an image of God's word that searches us through in and throughout. And then in verse 7, he gets to God's perfect law. He says, the law of the Lord... Is perfect, reviving or restoring the soul. Now, don't get too nervous about the word law. May I say to you that the content of God's law has never gone away. Oh boy, 
got quiet. The content, what God was after has not gone away. How it's worked in us has changed because we have a better covenant according to Hebrews. He says the perfect law. We need to understand that Torah, which is the word for law, is a word meaning all that God wants us to know about himself. If you take the full content of the law, what it is, is what God wants us to know about him. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the word Torah indicating pointing. It was a directional term. As a matter of fact, the Y in the Hebrew text means a hand, pointing with a hand. And so the Torah points in a direction, and the primary direction that it points is to God himself so that we understand him. God wants us to know him. He doesn't want you just to know a bunch of rules. He doesn't want you just to know a bunch of of, uh, precepts and words, although those are good because they're collectively, they're intended to point us to him. Okay, I'm not going to go down that road. By the way, if you want to know God's perspective, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because somebody might not. If you want to know God's perspective, you're going to have to find out what God says. You can't, you can't know God's perspective just by hoping that you do. You have to understand what he, what did he say? What direction did he take with his words? We have 66 books collected in one book right here and you'll spend the rest of your life, even if you're very young, you'll spend the rest of your life digesting the content of this book. But the more you do that, the more you see God's perspective on things. He says the law of the Lord is perfect and it restores or revives our soul. It revives our soul. How many of you from time to time know that we need some reviving? We need some restoring. Life happens. Life happens. Whether we like it or not, we can can bounce around in a bubble and act like everything's great. But sometimes life just happens to us and we need some help. And he says the the law of the Lord is perfect and it will restore your soul. I don't know how many times that I've been in a place or a situation that just, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I opened up the scripture, began to read the scripture and something began to well up within me. And that was him restoring my soul through his word. Not mine. And then David gives us a series of what I call parallel nouns. Uh, And we'll come back to these, but he talks about the testimony of the Lord, which would be statutes, precepts, commands, rules, fear of the Lord, which is an odd one. We'll come back to all of those. We're going to start with testimony. He said in verse, uh, I guess I just need to keep these in my hand. He said, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making... These are just... The testimony of the Lord... Again, these are these are some uh, small nuances as far as differences between these words. Let me just sum all of them up for you. God's Word. They're all summed up. They all deal with God's word. The testimony of the Lord is just principles, firm principles to which God himself testifies. God himself testifies by his own character, firm principles that he gives us. And he says, if we will 
read these things, if we will abide by these things and we'll let them have their way with us by the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, pages, uh, paper can't do a thing for you. Leather can't do a thing for you. But the words which are living combined with the work of the Holy Spirit can do something in you. I hope we understand it. And it makes the simple become wise. Now, I know that's not any of us, but maybe somebody you know, you can go home and tell them about. Yeah, right. We all need this. It's bringing wisdom to us. And then he talks about precepts. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Basically, these are just mandates or their direction for living. They give us direction, once again, pointing for living. And it's rejoicing the heart. Why would that be the case? Because obedience to God is the right way to joy. You cannot find real, godly, biblical joy when you're in disobedience to God. You just can't do it. You might can't find some happiness. You might smile and you might laugh, but you will not have internal joy unless you're in obedience to God, in obedience to his directions for your life. That's why so many people are miserable today and searching in other areas for some kind of a fulfillment or a joy, or they're seeking a joy or a happiness that is fleeting. The Bible says sin brings pleasure for a season, but in the end it's destruction. Then he talks about the commandments of the Lord. We Westerners don't like the word command or commandments. We don't like to be commanded to do anything. But he says the commandment or the commands of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. His word has authority. God's word has authority. And if we, if we submit to him as our king and we his kingdom subjects, it has authority in our life and it, and it should be, as we just talked about, it should be obeyed. Not just, it's hard to, man, not just the letter of the law. But what we're obeying is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. When you read the scripture, you know good and well that something happens. And please don't read it as a rule book. I don't even like referring to the Bible as the manual for life. I mean, obviously, if you read thou shalt not murder and you don't murder somebody, you're going to stay out of jail. It doesn't mean it's your salvation is any good. It just means that you saw a rule and you obeyed the rule. It's a heart thing. And even here we're talking about a heart thing. And he says, the commandments of the Lord are radiant and they give light to our eyes. When we read the scriptures, when we read God's word, all of us have experienced that moment when our eyes are opened. And we see something. And that something opened, causes us to respond to God's word, to his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, hold on. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's New Testament, by the way, for any of those. Anyway, and then he says the fear of the Lord. That's always been an interesting thing to me. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
How would you relate that to God's word? The fear of the Lord. It's clean. What his voice tells us is time-honored truth that is to be revered. Approach God's word with honor. Approach God's word as, as holy because his word is holy. And this is why we stand when we read the scripture. We've never made it a law. And when we have a guest speaker and they don't do it, I don't get bent out of shape. But the reason we stand when we read the scriptures is because we see it as sacred and something to be revered, not because it's in a book, but because it's living and it's God's word. And we want to we want to signify. And that's why, you know, I've read you the scripture uh, that when Ezra, not that Ezra, but another Ezra stood up to read the scripture. The Bible says he didn't say a word. The whole congregation stood while he read the book of the law. See it as, as, as honored and permanently valid. He says, it says the fear of the Lord endures forever. Let's approach God's words in a healthy fear of God, in a healthy fear of the Lord that we respect him and we stand in awe, A-W-E of him. In his word. Then he says uh, in verse, again in verse 9, the rules or the decrees or the ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. These would be God's renderings on practical questions of human behavior. I've said often that there's, there's very little in our lives that we can't find some direction in God's word. Especially uh, I've often encouraged, and many of you do it, I've often encouraged to use the book of Proverbs as a daily devotional. There are 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in this month. Because Proverbs carries with it the most practical, the most usable, the most relatable instructions of any book in the Bible. And so if you read a proverb a day, it'll change your life. Prove me wrong. God's rules, God's ordinances are righteous altogether. That means the whole lot of them. Altogether, his words are righteous. And if we see them as renderings to get, to point us in a particular way and answer practical questions of human behavior, well, we'd get along a lot better and our world would be a lot better around us. And then David begins to close out that section by saying, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and all the drippings of honey. More to be desired. Do you desire God's word? Do you, I don't mean, do you desire God's word to be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit so that you see what you didn't see? Jeremiah said these words. He said, your words were found and I ate them. Did I not? William, did I have a slide for that? Okay. Your words were found and I ate them. 
and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. How many times have we found God's word and they became to us a joy and a delight? David said, they're like honey. They're like sweet honey to me. He said, they're to be desired more than gold. In other words, what he's telling us is there's nothing that can, that can exceed the value of God's word to me. And this is all in light of viewing the heavens. Don't, don't miss that. Don't forget that. This is in light of seeing the heavens declare the glory of God and then seeing that God's word fits into that. That I would, he said, I found them and I ate them. We know know he didn't eat the scroll. We know he didn't eat. What he ate, what he consumed was the truth of God's word. And then he says, moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping with them, there is great reward. How often have we paid a price because we did not heed a warning? How often have we gone down the wrong road? How often have we made bad choices Because we didn't pay attention to the warning of God in the word of God. And how often have we been obedient to God's word and chosen the path that he has prescribed for us and we see a reward. Well, there are going to be many answers to those questions this morning. And by the way, no matter what the answer is, there's no condemnation. None to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Holy Spirit. David finishes up this psalm with what I call heartfelt prayer. In light of the vastness of God's creation, in light of the heavens declaring the glory of God, in light of the heavens speaking without speaking, declaring without saying a word, in light of that, in light of God's word, and he's used several parallel nouns to give us God's word, in light of the value of God's word to us, David says, who can discern his errors, or you might word it, who can discern his own errors? May I say to you that if the perspective that you have of yourself and your life is the only perspective that you have, then you're missing something. You need something or someone outside of yourself to give you proper perspective. That can be God himself through the Holy Spirit. Quite often God uses people in your life to help you see what you can't see. To help you grasp what you can't grasp on your own. He said, who can discern his own errors? Declare me innocent from what? Hidden faults. From hidden sin. Declare me innocent from that 
which I have committed, but I'm not even aware. I'm thinking about sometime in the near future doing a sermon on what is sin. I know we're not supposed to preach about sin these days. I don't care. (laughs) Because I think we misunderstand what sin is and what it isn't. But David said, there's a chance that I've done some things or not done some things. He said, who can discern his own errors? And who declare me innocent from what I don't even understand? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. You know what a presumptuous sin is? It's it's getting ahead of God. It's, It's trying to put something on God. Uh, it, it's uh, faith is in God alone, period. Faith in God, period. Not faith in what he does, not faith in what he gives, not faith in what he performs in our lives. Our faith is in him. Presumption, presumption asks God to begin to do things that we want to assume, but he has nothing to do with it. David is saying, keep me from that. Keep me from jumping ahead of God and trying to put my will on him. Guard against that. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then the last verse is the posture that we assume. And boy, would it be a better world if we could adopt this verse. Let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. How many times have you said something? How many times... How many times have you posted something on social media and as soon as you hit the, the button, you went, oh my goodness, I sure wish I could get that back. And admit it, a bunch of you have po- have typed it and then you're back, you hit that backspace button. Let the words of my mouth and my fingers typing be acceptable in your sight. And let the meditation of my heart what I'm, what's going on inside of me? Let it be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Ooh, what kind of world would we would we have? Well, those of you sitting in this room and those of you watching at home, we can do something. We can take care, draw a circle, and stand in the circle, and you can do something about the person in the circle. You can't do anything about anybody else. You think you can, but you can't. You think you can straighten everybody out on Facebook, but you can't. They're unstraightenable, if that's a word. But you can do something about you. And I can do something about me. And whatever I do, it starts with the heavens declaring the glory of God and the value of God's word in my heart, in my heart to him saying, forgive me of my sins. Declare me innocent. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Let's, let's take care 
of the person in the circle and let that affect the people around us. Amen. Stand with me.